0: Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Acts chapter 1 this morning, and we are starting a new sermon series through the book of Acts. You guys probably want some lights for your Bible, huh? Um, We might want to turn some house lights on, but... uh, Hey, Acts chapter 1, the sermon series is called Church on Fire. Come on, somebody. Let's go. Church on Fire. And uh, this is going to be an incredible study. I'm so excited. Stand with me. We're going to begin in verse 1. The book of Acts. Luke writing says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, And while they were gazing into heaven, he went. Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, we want to approach this book, God, in a heart of expectancy, Lord, as we consider it is wrought in the power of God, in the person, in the work of the Holy Spirit, and we ask you, Lord, that we would consider our own lives and and what power it is that we are living, and the witnesses that we are being in this world today, and we ask you, Lord, to, to change us. Transform us, Lord. Empower us. We ask for your Holy Spirit to come upon us, Lord. We pray right now that you would wash our sins away in the blood of Jesus. That there would be repentance in this room this morning, God. As we return to you and allow your Holy Spirit to do what it is that you desire for him to do in us. That we would be the witnesses that you've called us to be. We desire dunamis power, God, which can only happen when a heart is fully surrendered and fully willing to be used by you. So we ask as the body of Christ this morning, Lord, we make ourselves available to you, and we pray your spirit flood this place in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So some 2,000 years ago, a movement began that has continued on to this day. It's called the Church of Jesus Christ. Not to be confused with those of the Latter-day Saints. And I say that because they preach another Jesus. It's not the same Jesus. When you consider uh, the Mormon religion, they preach a different Jesus. They preach a Jesus who was given by an angel of light, who the Bible tells us is can be none other than Satan himself. And the Apostle Paul told us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, he said, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself in an angel of light, so that it is no surprise if his servants also, listen, disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. I'm not talking about that movement. I'm talking about the movement of, of Jesus Christ, That began from before the foundation of the world, the rescue mission that God the Father had deployed in the world through His Son, Jesus Christ. He decided to rescue us from our fallen nature by way of His Son. And the Bible tells us that anyone who repents and who believes upon the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, receiving Him as Lord, will be sealed with the Spirit of God which is our guarantee that we belong to Him. The Spirit of God then becomes the instrument of empowerment for us to complete our mission, which is to take the gospel into the ends of the earth and make disciples along the way. You might recall that after Jesus was baptized, that, it, that He was in the wilderness by John, that the heavens opened up and the Spirit of God came... Listen upon him. Very important. It came, the Spirit of God came upon him. This was the beginning of the movement that we are now part of. The Spirit descending on Jesus, marking the beginning of his three-year ministry. It's important that we note the empowerment of the Spirit of God upon the life of Jesus Christ. You know, everything that Jesus did was by way of of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We come into this movement through the person and the work of Jesus Christ, and then we take this movement and propel it forward, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are to surrender ourselves to him. He is the one that continues this movement forward. Jesus paid the price so that the movement could begin. And the Holy Spirit is the empowerment of that movement to continue on forward. The book of Acts is simply a, it's really a declaration of the Acts, not of the Apostles, like probably the title of your Bible says, mine does, says the Acts of the Apostles. Do you know these 28 28 chapters are not the Acts of the Apostles? They are the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. It is not acts of the apostles. The apostles are simple vessels, folks, just like you and I. The one doing the work is the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He's the one that continues this movement forward. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God, number one. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is a person. You know, His personal pronouns, in case you're interested, are he, him, and that is important. Do you know the Bible always presents God in a masculine form? Do you know why? Because that is the framework and the structure in which the church and the family are to be ran in male headship. That is biblical we confuse that in our modern day people are wondering like well should women be pastors or or this or that listen I'm not a male chauvinist but the bible puts a structure in place not because men are better but because God is calling men to be the leaders of their homes to be the leaders of the church you've heard it said so go the men of the church so go the church and that is the case folks Men need to stand up. They need to step in their positions and be who they're called to be, to be spiritual men who are of the word of God, who are empowered by the spirit of God to lead the church and their family. Uh, the spirit of God is a person. And uh, we find that really clear because he can be grieved. Ephesians chapter four, verse 30. He can be quenched. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 19. He is the giver of all spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. John sixteen eight. He is our seal for our inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. He is the means by which we are called to walk. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And The power to be the witness for Jesus Christ, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which we will talk about today. The Holy Spirit plays the lead role in the book of Acts, folks. It's him and him alone. We need to take note if we desire to be contributors to this movement. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I draw your attention to the words of A.W. Tozer, who so aptly put it, if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from the church today, 95% 95% of what would go on, uh, would, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. That is an indictment on the church. And I think A.W. Tozer hit the nail on the head, folks. So much that goes on in our gatherings together is the works of man and not the works of the Spirit of God. I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in that. I don't want to do things in my own power. I don't want to keep something going that's not God. I want to be on His plan. I want to be on His mission. I want to be empowered by his spirit to do the work that he's called us to. Do you know that you're his workmanship, the Bible says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, created in Christ Jesus for good works that, that he created beforehand that you should walk in. He's got stuff for us to do. And I don't have time to be focused on my own stuff. I want to be focused on him. Therefore, I need the Holy Spirit in my life to guide me, to lead me, to empower me, and so do you. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives, folks. Listen, we are so inept in the Spirit these days that we can't tell whether a genuine work of the Holy Spirit is happening or not. I mean, you see all of the controversy going on with Asbury these days, you know. Well, what's going on in Asbury University? Is that really the Spirit of God or is that not the Spirit of God? We've, gone, we've grown so dull we can't tell the difference. It saddens my heart. Listen, I will tell you this, that when you see young people who are repenting of their sin, who are gathering and worshiping and testifying and, and, you know, they are seeking God and they are longing to be in his presence and all these kinds of things, I'm gonna tell you that's a work of the Holy Spirit. How is it not a work of the Holy Spirit? The bigger question that people are asking, is Is it a revival? And you can't answer that question right now. Nobody knows. Here's what I know, is that if it's a revival, it spills outside of the church. It goes outside of the four walls of the church. And that is what we're supposed to be doing in the first place. You know the word revival? Do you know what it means? To revive something that has become dead. Ooh. The church of Jesus Christ needs revived. It does. Why? Because we're not operating in the spirit of God who is the breath of life. He is the power of God, you know, to to cause us to, to live for the Lord and to be a witness for him. We need revival. We talk about revival all the time. And listen, I want to tell you this morning that it starts right here. And it starts right with the person in the work of the Holy Spirit. You will never experience revival in your own heart or in any kind of gathering together until there is genuine return to the surrender of the Spirit of God. You know, until people turn away from their own own desires, their own agendas, their own power, and all these kinds of things, and they turn to Christ, and they turn to the, the, the Holy Spirit, and they say, I need you. It will not happen until that happens. So you can pray and you can do all that, but you should be be saying, Lord, how can I return to you this morning? Do I need to repent? Lord, are there things I need to do? Am I in your way? You can grieve the Holy Spirit by the way that you live. You can quench the Holy Spirit by being disobedient to him and not being willing to do what he asks you to do. Listen, you want to see revival in the church? It starts with you, and it starts with your own heart, and it starts with you returning to the Lord and saying, God, I want to be a person who is wrought in the Spirit of God, who is obedient to the Spirit of God, who's willing to do whatever, whenever I, you know, he, he asked me to do. That is what we need, folks. Jesus told his disciples before uh, they they dare do anything in the name of Jesus, that they wait for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? He's setting. The precedence for the church. He's setting the precedence for the church, guys. He's saying you need the power of the Spirit of God. If you go into the world without the Spirit of God, without the empowerment of the Spirit of God, you're going to be chewed up and spit out. If you're not experiencing spiritual success, if you don't feel like you know you're, you're making any headways, start there. Start there. Lord, am I trying to do this in my own power? God, am I stepping into things that I shouldn't be stepping into? I need the Spirit of God to lead me, to guide me, to help me along the way. I'm calling this message this morning, The Movement That Forever Changed the World. That's what we see in these 28 chapters of the book of Acts. The 29th chapter is being written right now through you and I. And I say that we give the author something to write about. Amen? By surrendering our hearts this morning to the Spirit of God right off the bat, we just say, God, I surrender, and I'm available. And I have expectation that you will come and work through me. That is the prayer. That's how it starts. There's three things I want to show you this morning uh, from our text regarding the movement that forever changed the world. First and foremost, it starts with a person. Every movement of God starts with a person. Remember the Exodus started with who? Moses. The Exodus, God called a man and he started a movement and then that movement was passed on to who? Joshua. You see, God always has a man. He always has a man that's ready and that that man has to be willing to step into the Spirit of God and walk in the Spirit of God. Uh, We find that to be the case in the man that God began this movement that we are present day part of draw your attention to verse 1 again here we find Luke who is the writer of this book uh, writing this letter uh, to a man named Theophilus look at verse 1 it says in this first book O Theophilus I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up the writer of the book of Acts is the same writer of the gospel of Luke. It's Luke. Luke says, um, I'm ref- referencing the first book here in verse 1. He's talking about the gospel of Luke. He's writing, uh, you know, to this man named Theophilus sometime around the early to mid 60 A.D. 60s A.D., some 60 to 65 A.D., maybe some, definitely before 70 A.D., some people try and date this, you know, in the 90s AD. I don't think so. If, if that were the case, Luke would have certainly, uh, re- re- he certainly would have documented the siege of Jerusalem by the Romans and all of that kind of stuff. Do you know the book of Acts ends with Paul in jail, in Rome? That's where it ends. So, you know, we don't know anything about Theophilus other than his name means lover of God means lover of God. Some speculate that Theo has, uh, he's a Gentile believer who lent his servant Luke to Paul to tend to his health. That's possibly one way that, uh, you know, Luke got to be a a traveler, a companion with Paul. He was a doctor, and so he was there to take care of uh, Paul, and uh, perhaps Theophilus was Luke's master, and so he lent him to Paul. Could be Um, many people and many wealthy people in biblical days had skilled servants like doctors and such could you imagine having a doctor at your house you're like oh man I don't feel good doc you got to do something you know it would be kind of cool but anyway uh, some believe that Theo has was a Roman official who Luke was trying to witness to others believe that Theophilus had something to do with Paul's case Something to do with the case of Paul being in Rome. And so the volume one, uh, you know, he basically Luke is giving Theophilus an account of Jesus Christ all the way up to Paul being in prison. So he's giving him the context of the movement of Jesus Christ. And, and so he starts with the gospel of Luke and now he continues on uh, here. And so perhaps this guy has something to do with it. Maybe he's the attorney for Paul. Maybe he's one of the people judging uh, you know, this uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who knows? What we know is that Luke has already given Theophilus information about all that Jesus began to do and teach through the Gospel of Luke. So the book of Acts is a continuation of that. What we find here is at, at the end of the book of uh, at the Gospel of Luke, what we find is Jesus instructing his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for power to come and then the ascension. And so the beginning of um, Acts chapter 1, we find the same story. So what he's doing is he's just linking these two together. He's just making sure, hey, this is where I dropped off in the Gospel of Luke. This is where I pick it up in, uh, you know, the book of Acts. He said, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, verse 2, until the day that he was taken up. Jesus Christ is the person of the movement. Jesus Christ. We're not looking to anyone else or or for anyone else. Jesus Christ is the person of the movement that forever changed the world. He was ordained from the foundation of the world to start this movement, and he did just that, not by his own power. Though what we find here is Luke says Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says here. After he had given commands, listen, through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Jesus was fully surrendered to the Spirit of God, although Jesus is God. He's fully surrendered to the Spirit of God. He was completely and totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Every miracle that Jesus did was a result of the Holy Spirit. Every message that Jesus gave was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was a man who walked in the Spirit of God. Jesus was also, you know, the cross led by the Spirit to the cross. uh, The resurrection of Jesus, risen to life by the Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus did was a result of the Spirit of God. He raised from the dead. Luke mentions here that it was a fact. There was proof that Jesus raised from the dead. He appeared to people for how many days? 40 days. You can talk in church. 40 days. From the time that Jesus died and then rose again from the dead, from the, from the time of the resurrection, Jesus appeared. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he, he appears to Cephas first, then the 12, then more than 500 people at once. It was a bona fide fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. In the Jewish culture, if there were two or three eyewitnesses, that would be considered a fact. This is way more than two or three witnesses. This is a fact, folks. We know that the, 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 the religious leaders of the day tried to cover up the resurrection of the dead. Why? Because nobody rises from the dead. No religious leader, no, um, you know, no leader of any movement ever has risen from the dead, but Jesus Christ did exactly what he said he was going to do, and he raised from the dead, and that is powerful. And people knew that that was the case. After Jesus rose again from the dead, he went on to speak to his disciples, according to Luke here, about the kingdom of, of God. What was he teaching them about the kingdom of God? I think that is revealed specifically in the rest of the New Testament that we've been given. I think there's not a specific reference to what Jesus was telling them about the kingdom of God, but, but it is revealed to us in the rest of the New Testament. We have the completed word of God. We know all of the teachings of Jesus relating to end times, uh, you know, prophecy and such. We have the book of Revelation that tells us exactly what's going to happen at the end. We have the story right before us. Jesus was teaching, he was speaking to his disciples about the kingdom of God. Jesus is the person of the movement that forever changed the world. Next we find the promised empowerment of the movement. Verse four, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he had said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Notice what Jesus says here, or what Luke says about how Jesus you know, conveyed this to his disciples. He ordered them to stay. He ordered them to stay and wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus made it a point to, to tell his disciples, don't you dare go into the world without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Why would he do that? Because it's that important. Because it's that important. Because what they're called to do, which we will see here in a second, they will be unable to do with simple knowledge. They will be unable to do the things that God is going to call them to do without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. They need a baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is baptism? It is an immersion in the Holy Spirit. And um, we'll talk more about that. It's more than just what we're doing here today in the water This here is a public profession of faith that you are laid in the watery grave of Jesus Christ and that as you come out of that water, you're declaring that you're a new person, that you're newness of life. It doesn't happen in the water. It's already happened in the heart. And so all we're doing is making a symbolic public profession of faith by those who will come today and they will say, I belong to Jesus and I'm following him and I want you all to know about it. That's what it's about. It's a declaration that you would be able to lock arms, this person's a brother or a sister in Christ and uh, we need all the help we can get in Christ, amen? So it's like we're we're called to as a body do life together, support each other, pray for each other and all that kind of stuff. That's what baptism is all about. It's just making that, that profession to you all that I belong to Jesus and now you can keep me accountable according to the word of God and according to the gospel of Jesus Christ that I'm called to live in that specific way. Jesus tells his disciples, don't go into the world without that. And, uh, you know, he's telling you and I the same thing this morning. He's telling if you want to be a witness for Jesus Christ, you cannot do it in your own power. I don't care how many Bible verses you can quote, folks. That's not what makes impact in the world. What makes impact in the world is the Holy Spirit upon a life, an anointing from God that allows you to speak words that come from him, not from you. This isn't an intellectual conversation that we're having. This is a spiritual conversation. Every one of the words in this book is spiritually discerned, folks. You can't come to it with intellect. Now, God uses our intellect to give us understanding, but the Spirit of God is our teacher. And it's the Spirit of God that makes the Word of God come alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. That's why every time you open up the Word of God, if you have the Spirit of God, all of a sudden it's speaking to your, into your life. You're like, whoa it's alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, but it will not be that if you don't have the Spirit of God, will not be that, I remember, I, t- I tell this story, when I first went to church before I got saved, I was, I don't know, 20-something, 21 or 22, and my wife wanted to go to church, and I'm like, please, okay, I'll go to church, and I sat literally in the a seat like this and I listened to a guy talk and you know what I heard Wa wonk 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 that's that's literally what I heard no joke I was like why do people waste their time with this what is the power behind this They're, what is this guy even saying who knows what this guy's saying Charlie Brown's teacher was present in the room for me and it was because number one I was I was closed off I didn't want to be there number two I didn't have the Spirit of God, uh, you know, in me to give me discernment and understanding of the Word. It's the Word, of, it's the Spirit of God that, that causes the Word of God to become alive to us, folks. He applies it. He's our teacher. He's the anointing that we've been given to help us understand who God is and what He says about us. Notice here, it tells us, um, they, they asked... They asked Jesus, Jesus, why, will you tell us about the kingdom and when you're going to restore the kingdom of God to Israel? And, and notice what he says here. It's not for you. That's not your concern. You guys are focused on the wrong things. The Father, listen very carefully. The Father has set a time for this. It's fixed by his own authority. Now, if you're a believer in this room today, you should just let out a big sigh. Because you know what that says? God is sovereign. He has a plan, and it's going to be executed exactly the way that he wants it to be. It's fixed. The authority is his. Not anyone else's. Nobody else is in control. He's in control. He has a specific plan. He's set a specific time, and all of this in, is in accordance to his authority that he has because he's God. And so, you know, we're not worried about Russia. We're not worried about China. We're not worried about anything that's going on in our country today. We're, we're focused on the mission that we've been given, which is take the gospel into the world and make disciples, right? We should be. We shouldn't be focused on any of the other stuff. This is set. Nothing you can do is going to change how God is determined the the time that he's determined and exactly what's going to have to happen. Should you pay attention? Of course you should. But in paying attention, that should propel you to be on mission to go out into the world and tell people about Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be doing. If you don't have the Spirit of God, you'll never be effective in that. Man, Pastor, you don't know how bad this culture is. I don't. I don't. I live in this culture. But I'll tell you this, I know the power of the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit can reach anybody. I don't care how far away from God they are. He can reach anybody. We rest in Him. We need, as Jesus told them, power. Dunamis in the Greek. It literally is where we get our word dynamite in the English. We need dynamite kind of power the Holy Spirit to do this. Jesus told these disciples that not many days from now you will experience that. Now how many days before Jesus rose again from the dead and then ascended? How many days did He appear to them? 40 days. We know That at 40 days, Jesus said, not many days from there. 10 days exactly to the point, the 50th day from Passover, which is called the day of what? Pentecost is when this happened. Why is that impactful? Because all of the feasts, everything in the Old Testament points us to Jesus somehow. And here, we have the Passover, points us to the uh, crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Fifty days later, we have the Feast of Pentecost, which points us to the Holy Spirit coming upon the church to propel the movement that Jesus started, you know, uh, some 2,000 years ago that's going on to this day. How impactful is the Word of God? How, How impactful are all of these things? Man, they're amazing. I'd encourage you to come to the biblical Dinner, dinner that we're going to be having on uh, Good Friday, it's going to be amazing. We're going to see all the symbolisms in the feasts and the different things and how they relate to Jesus Christ. Jesus is telling them, in not many days from now, you're going to receive power. Let me ask you a question. Did they have the Holy Spirit already? Huh? I don't think enough of you are answering, huh? Did they have the Holy Spirit or not? Yes, They did. They had the Holy Spirit. We know that because John chapter 20, verse 22, listen, Jesus is risen from the dead. He appears to them in the upper room, and he says, and when he, after he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, what? Receive the Holy Spirit. Did they have the Holy Spirit? Yes. They had the Holy Spirit. Why is Jesus saying now they need power from the Holy Spirit? Because we have uh, three specific different relationships with the Holy Spirit, and we need all three of them. Now, all people in all the world have one relationship with the Holy Spirit. Only believers can have the, the, uh, uh, the other two that come after that one. Let me read a scripture to you, and I'll explain. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit, Listen, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the the, word, the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, listen, for he dwells with you, relationship number one, and he will be in you, relationship number two. He will be with you, parakletos. That means to come alongside. The Holy Spirit is with you. Everybody in the world, that's how he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's how he drew you to the Father. No one comes to the Father except for they're drawn. How are they drawn? Through the Holy Spirit, John 6, 44. So the Holy Spirit is with us. He's with the world. He's in the world. He is doing work to draw people to the Father. When you come to Christ, though, this is when everything changes. You know, when, when you ask Jesus into your heart, a little Jesus doesn't come aside and live in you. You know that, right? It's not the little Jesus inside of you. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in you. In the Greek, en is the word. These are three different Greek words relating to three different relationships we have. Only believers have the inexperience of the Holy Spirit. That means the sealing of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has come inside you. He's the seal of your inheritance, your promise. He's your guarantee that you belong to the Father. That is the second relationship. And then Jesus here tells us of a third relationship here. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, He says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's the epi-experience of the Holy Spirit. The upon-experience of the Holy Spirit. Do you already have the Holy Spirit? Yes, you do. The upon-experience... The baptism of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus calls it that here, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an empowerment for a specific purpose. It's not, it it doesn't just, you know, it it doesn't just, it happens, I think, more than once because it's an empowerment for a specific reason. He tells us the reason here. The baptism of the Holy Spirit will come upon you so that you can be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the ends of the earth. It's the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this subsequental empowerment of the Holy Spirit, is for you and I to be witnesses for Jesus. Witnesses. Do you know what that word means in the Greek? It means martyr. So that you can be the martyrs of Jesus Christ. Whoa, that puts it in a whole different realm martyrs. I thought we were just bearing witness of, of Jesus. No, you, you, you're called to, 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 you've given your life to him. It's no longer Christ who, or no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. You're dead. So, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He's calling us, are you willing to be a witness for me? I can tell you right now, outside of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, I'm probably not willing to be a witness for you, Lord, but in the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, I, I think I could do anything. What does that require of me a yielding of myself to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes upon you it's not a possession of you you're totally in control of what you're doing you know what you're doing you just have be willing to walk in the empowerment that you've been given we see this in, in Acts chapter 2 or we'll read about when the empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost what happens they begin to speak in other languages known languages uh, that those outside of the walls of the, the upper room can hear in their native languages and they are specifically extolling or exalting or praising God. It's tongues for the purpose of these people understanding that, that those who are speaking are empowered by God and therefore are able to be speakers of God them and then what happens peter goes out there he gives a message and whoa three thousand people get saved that's what happens when you walk in the empowerment of the spirit of god god moves and he does miraculous things that's why we need the baptism of the holy spirit folks because we need the empowerment of the holy spirit on our lives to be his witnesses you will never be the witness that you're called to be in your own power You'll never be that witness that you're called to be. Jesus told his disciples, don't move anywhere until you have the empowerment. Oh, but this is apostolic. Is it? Is, that, is this really apostolic? I don't think it is. I think this is, a, this is setting a precedence for the movement. We're talking about a movement here. We're talking about guys who start a movement and who keep a movement going, and, and that doesn't change. You know, that's why we're not cessationists. We believe the Holy Spirit is working today just like He was in the book of Acts. We're continuationists. We believe that the Holy Spirit is doing the exact same things He's always done. He's the Holy Spirit. He doesn't change. He's God. Nothing in Scripture, by the way, ever references to the Holy Spirit ceasing His his talks while we're on this earth. While we're on this earth. So check it out for yourself. But... uh, We've considered the person of the movement, the, the promised empowerment of the movement. Finally, let's consider the perpetuation of the movement here in verses 9 through 11. This is Jesus handing the baton of the gospel off to his disciples and giving them everything that they need to go into the world and to make disciples. Verse 9, and when he had said these things, they were looking on. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go. Here, Jesus, he's now being lifted up. I could imagine this situation. You know, and the disciples are are standing there, they're probably talking about. Do you really think, am I going to be the greatest in heaven? You know how they do that. You know, they're just having these conversations about themselves and Jesus all the while is just starting to lift up. You know, (laughs) and he just, he's taken up. His mission is done. Hey, he went to the cross. He rose again from the dead. He's passed the baton to his disciples. His job is finished. Now it's for them to take all that they've been taught by Jesus take the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and go into the world and tell somebody else about him to make a disciple, to teach somebody all that Jesus has told us to observe. That's the Great Commission, folks. If Jesus would have never left, they would have never gone. You know, the only time that we hear stay in the Bible is right here when they say stay and wait for power. Otherwise, we're to go. You and I, we need to go we need to, well, of course we need the empowerment of the holy spirit but we're called to go into all the world folks and god will give you what you need you ask him you ask him what uh, you know if you need an empowerment lord help me to be a witness at my job or help me to be a witness to my neighbors or lord help me to be this witness when's the last time that you grieved over lost people when's the last time that you looked around the world and go man this world is so lost god and then raised your hand and said, here am I, send me. I'll go, I'll go into the world, Lord. Empower me to do what you're calling me to do and I'll do it, Lord. Hey, that's what he wants. The Bible says, 2 Chronicles 16:9. the eyes of the Lord go to and fro, seeking for loyal hearts that he might show himself strong. Are you a loyal heart of his this morning? Do you belong to Jesus? Do you have the Holy Spirit inside of you? Those are all awesome things. You're going to heaven, man. Praise the Lord. But listen, you're still breathing because you have a mission. God is calling you to something greater. He's not calling you to build a career. He's not calling you to to do these kind of things. He's calling, and he can use all those things, by the way. Don't get me wrong. Don't think that, well, I need to quit my job and just go on the streets and start telling people about Jesus. God uses your daily circle as a means of doing these things. Listen, I own, I own a business and I always use it as a tool to preach the gospel to people. My business has taken me all over the world and I have an opportunity to share the gospel with people. And you know what? I've reached people that I'm pretty sure would have never been reached in areas of the world where, the go- where they're closed off to the gospel. And I've been able to walk in freely as an American business person. And I get to share the gospel. Do not mistake who you are. You are, in my case, I wasn't a businessman who happened to be a Christian. I was a Christian who happened to be a businessman. Think about that. You are what you are for the purpose of bringing the gospel into the world, for propelling the movement that you've been put into through Jesus Christ. we got to keep it going. we got to keep it going. What do we need to do that? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. How do I get that? Oh, don't worry. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 11, verses 10 through 13. For any, everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who, uh, who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give you a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask, Christian, this morning, ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need it. We need it. We need, to, um, we need to see the power of the Holy Spirit moving in and of our lives and in this world today, folks. And he wants to do it. What's hindering him from doing that? Our willingness to surrender and be used, Period. That's the only thing stopping God from doing what he wants to do. And uh, that doesn't ensure that you're going to lead a gazillion people to Christ or anything like that. But but here's the more important thing. You're going to be counted faithful to what you've been called to. You've been called to, you've been given the Great Commission. Uh, you know, if you're still trying to wonder what is my purpose in life, it's to tell other people about Jesus. That is your purpose in life. He will show you and navigate you and bring you to the right places in order for you to do all of those things. All of those things you don't worry about it you just surrender to the Holy Spirit and he will lead your way the way we do this man is we ask him this morning he's a good father and he wants to give good gifts to his children he wants to give you empowerment this morning if you need it so you ask him here's the thing though is if you don't know the Lord and you're asking for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit you're not gonna get it you have to invite him in first you gotta have him inside of you first. And that's the first step. If you don't know the Lord today, may today be the day that you, your sins are washed away. You know, Jesus Christ went to the cross. He rose again from the dead so that, so that we could be saved. That's the gospel, folks. God wants to save people. He doesn't want to condemn people. He allows people to be condemned if that's the choice they want to make. But God's heart for you is salvation. So much so that he sent his son that you would receive him. And will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. And we just are so grateful this morning to be recipients of your son, God. To be those that you so loved that you sent your only begotten son to give him up as a sin sacrifice for us. That we would be forever forgiven our past, present, and future sins wiped away all at once through the blood of Jesus Christ. That judicial act of justification before the Father, he paid it all on the cross. He was crucified once, and therefore our sins can be wiped away all at the same time if we will come to him and we will receive him as as our Lord and our Savior. And if that's you here this morning, all you have to do is call upon the name of Jesus. Anyone who calls upon his name, uh, he will by no means cast out. You call upon his name in sincerity and you pray a prayer of repentance that says, Lord Jesus, I come to you right now and I turn away from my sin. And I turn to you and I want to receive you as my Lord. I want you to wash my sins away. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again from the dead for me, so that I could now walk in newness of life and I commit myself to you, Lord. Come inside of me, Lord, and then empower me to be who you've called me to be in Jesus' name. And if you pray that prayer right there, the Lord says that you belong to him. It's in sincerity that we pray this prayer in repentance and turning to him this morning. And Father, for anyone else in this room this morning that is desiring who's already come to Christ, but they are desiring empowerment, God, we, we know that your word tells us that if all we have to do is ask, and so we come in the name of Jesus right now, God, and we ask your spirit to fall on this place, to fall on every heart that desires you, Lord. You can see those who are saying, God, here am I, send me. You can see those who desperately desire to be used by you, God, who want to Be faithful to the call and the great commission that you have upon our lives this morning. But Lord, we need your empowerment. Will you fall upon us by your spirit? We ask you and we thank you and we receive it even right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.